Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders and entrepreneurs in the hospitality industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In today's podcast, we're joined by Adam Rufflich, the GM of the Georgian House Hotel, a family-owned boutique hotel in London which has received a number of great awards. Winner of Visit England's Rose Award, a highly commended Best Place for Women to Work in Hospitality at the Shine Awards in 2017, Adam had climbed the ladder in luxury hotels and has acquired a wealth of experience along the way. In this episode, Adam shares how the Georgian House Hotel has been able to continuously win awards, his view on the current state of the industry, leadership, strategy, and much more. You're in for a treat, so strap in and enjoy. Hello, Adam, and welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. Morning, Michael. Thanks for inviting me along to do this. Well, I'll say thank you for the invitation as well. We're here in your lovely hotel, the uh, Georgian House Hotel, just behind Victoria Station. If you can hear a bit of bustling in the background, it's still the the, the late breakfast eaters and uh, people leaving the hotel. There's a very nice vibe in the hotel this morning, even though we are in early Jan. Yeah, it's certainly been a very busy week or so for us, and we're still uh, still welcoming lots of guests into the hotel, which is nice. Yeah, and, and that's what it's all about. So before we come in to talk about the hotel, let's let's hear a bit about you, Adam, and your background and your way into hospitality and, and hotels and a very specific niece of hotel, I know. I mean, I've always worked in hotels since I was 16. Started working in a, a local hotel, but a very big one. It was part of the Hanover International Hotels. It's now Jury's Inn, I think, but a 350-bedroom hotel where I was a banqueting waiter. And I was a banqueting waiter because I was terrified about getting the order taking wrong. So I didn't want to go and work in the restaurant. I thought banqueting I can do is just picking up plates and, and putting them down. I had a fantastic experience working there with a great banqueting manager who's sadly passed away now, but really learned a lot from him, an Italian gentleman called Antonio Costanza. And from there, really just worked my way around the hotel, working in pretty much every department and uh, then headed off to university where I worked for Hotel Devan as a receptionist. And that's where I started working in sort of smaller boutique hotels, which is where my career has, has you know, mainly stayed in country house and boutique since then. And really just worked my way up through a sort of front of house route, reception manager, front of house manager, and then deputy general manager, and, and then into general management. And here I am at Georgian House today. So was it a, a conscious choice to, to go into hospitality? No, not at all. I just wanted some some drinking money based basically, and, uh, and, and for social activities. And my next door neighbour worked as a, a waitress in this particular hotel. So I thought, well, yeah, I can absolutely do that. A bit nervous about, you know, the sort of the obvious things like the carrying of the, the trays and spilling the drinks and getting the orders wrong. So I said, well, no, literally all you have to do is pick up the food, you know, walk a few paces and put it down in front of someone else. And I thought, well, that's definitely within my skill set. And, you know, obviously developed a lot of skills from there, really, and, and learned to, to sort of master those and, and yeah, really developed a, a love and a passion for what I was doing. So like, many others you fall into it in a way and and you grab the opportunity when it was there you have chosen a very specific kind of of hotels the more luxury boutique smaller hotels was that a conscious choice very early on or that was what you felt comfortable with or i think so i much prefer smaller hotels so less than 100 rooms where i feel we can really um, devote individual attention to the team and also to, to the guests as well I think my experience of working in the larger hotels was, you know, you were just a bit more of a number to an extent and there wasn't an individual guest focus unless perhaps you're in a very luxury large hotel. And obviously you would have the, the, the resource then to, to accommodate that. But I think less than 100 rooms has worked really well for me, generally around 60 bedrooms. We have 50 members of our team here at Georgian House, which I think is really nice. You can have nice, good quality relationships with all the, the, the team. And quality is definitely something that's that's important to me. Not necessarily luxury, but definitely, you know, of a, of a high quality a bit more of a relaxed style as well. I think luxury can sometimes be quite formal and a bit forced on occasion. And I think that my style is a little bit more relaxed. Hospitality shines through rather than necessarily a forced level of service. Yeah, something I noticed when I came in here today, which is very unique, I think, if you went into a hotel or restaurant, that all the staff says hello to you. You almost get a bit like, whoa, because that's just a small thing, but it means a lot. And you can hear that they say hello in different languages as well. I heard French, German, I think I heard as well. So they're really trying to accommodate the guests. And, and, and that, in a way, is, is quite unique, I think. So tell us a bit more about this 
hotel and what what you're trying to achieve and the journey you've been on and i know you won numbers of awards as well we we, we can tap into so, so tell us a bit about that because you're hidden behind victoria station and i think there's a lot of people that does, doesn't even know out there that you exist that's definitely the case and that's obviously something we're working on very much but the phrase a hidden gem has, has often been used about the hotel i think but we do definitely try and foster this culture of real genuine hospitality i mean you know, which you just described probably have about three quarters of our staff are from from eu nation so the the multilingual benefit of that is, is obvious and our guests really do appreciate that so although we're quintessentially english in many many ways we welcome about a third of our guests from europe and then about sort of 25 percent domestic 25 percent from the us as well so we get a nice mix of mostly leisure guests and in terms of the the journey of the hotel it's quite a fascinating heritage really i think it was actually built in 1851 by the great great grandfather of serena von der heide who's now the, the current managing partner in the business so william uh, chinnery mitchell built the the hotel nearly 170 years ago now and Serena took over the helm about 30 years ago I've now been here for about three and a half years as, as general manager so in the 30 uh, years it's sort of transformed from being a 20 something bedroom two-star bed and breakfast to the the property that it is today now which we're just redefining that at the moment we were, we were awarded a five-star guest accommodation rating two years ago by Visit England and last year by the AA and uh, we're just changing the focus now because we were predominantly a rooms business and now we have a bit more food and beverage going on perhaps we'll talk about it a little bit later on but we're really expanding that to, to provide more for our guests the three years has been a fascinating journey. I think within three months of being here, we were closing down the whole dining room for four months to do a significant refurbishment down there, which obviously is a you know nice space that we're enjoying today. We've had numerous capital projects since then, for example, creating more of our sort of world-renowned wizard chamber rooms, our little two-person cinema and, and so on, and the reception area, which we refurbished last year. And we've also invested a lot in the team as well. I think that we sort of really put that at the heart of what we do. I think that's really where we see our competitive advantage both from uh, sort of exceeding guest expectations and also competing what we know is quite a, a challenging labor market at the moment so tell us a bit more about the, the wizard rooms because i don't think that many hotels in london or many across europe would have a wizard room what is that about so the, the wizard chamber started about four and a half five years ago probably now and um, i think this is a really good example of how we approach our, our web business so we we spend a lot of time engaging with our guests and and listening to them and talking to them and observing their behavior we basically noticed we had a lot of guests who were staying here at the hotel and traveling from victoria coach station just at the top of the road on the warner brothers uh, studio tours at that time as well serena's children were growing up with the, the sort of the harry potter books just coming out uh, so they created two uh, wizard chamber rooms, which are these fantastically designed, authentic Gothic character wizard uh, rooms. They're, they're not sort of related specifically to Harry Potter, but people who enjoy that that genre of, uh, of, of books and film will certainly appreciate them. And they were such a phenomenal success that very soon afterwards they, they created two more. And then last year we further increased that to, to seven rooms. So we now have seven of those and they're just as successful as ever. If they fully occupied all the year through, I can imagine that's quite an exciting place to take your kids when you're coming to London, which is a full-on city holiday. Absolutely. I mean, they, I wouldn't say they were fully booked the whole year through. We do have the odd night when when one of them goes uh, goes unoccupied, but uh, it, it is quite rare, I have to say. And then we've we've further expanded that now by we offer a wizard breakfast. So we have two different types of wizard themed breakfasts, and we offer a, a sort of an experiential wizard cocktail making offering as well, which is becoming very popular. They are definitely very popular with families as well. So the two of the three rooms that we created last year were to increase the number of family rooms that we we had because previously we only had one with the Warner Brothers studio tours the play as well and muggle walking tours there's so much wizard and Harry Potter related things to do in London that uh, you know it certainly really helps with that tell me a bit about what is the cinema two-person cinema yeah so this was um sort of an interesting idea that we had with a, a shower room on a corridor because georgian house was originally built as as private homes so it wasn't an, you know, an ensuite bathroom in every room so this was a, a shower room on a on a staircase essentially that was just not used anymore and uh, we thought well, what can we do with this this space to try and turn it into something that enhances our guest experience and, and is, is revenue generating as well because 
obviously you know, floor space is you know very valuable in London, so we wanted to try and make that revenue generating. So one of the ideas that we had, which is one we, we went with, which was to create London's smallest cinema. So it's uh, all decorated in a very traditional, you know, sort of deep reds and golds and brass style, and it's just a really cosy, fun date night type of a thing to do, really. So uh, yeah, we have about thirty films on our library, and also if you prefer to catch up on Game of Thrones or whatever it is that ticks your box, then you can log into your Netflix or Amazon Prime as well, and then we. Prefer provide a, a number of gourmet cinema snacks to, to accompany that that's a very unique touch point again and then you talked a bit about as well about the the food is becoming more important and you mentioned a couple like wizard breakfast and uh, gourmet snacks for for the cinema now so is that becoming more and more a part of the the total experience as well for you as a hotel it is yeah so we when we refurbished the the dining room downstairs we created a bar area which we, we didn't have before and we now are running a cheese afternoon tea which we ran as a pop-up for two weeks last year which was phenomenally successful and had fantastic media coverage so uh, that's now a, uh, an offering that we're, we're doing on a more permanent basis and what we try to do with with the wizard chambers the cinema and our food offering as well is offer people something different that they, they can't get elsewhere so every hotel pretty much in london is offering an afternoon tea of some kind and you know numerous restaurants and, and cafes etc as well but largely apart from something which is slightly themed they're all fairly similar and if you put 100 pictures of afternoon teas in london up on a on a screen you probably couldn't tell the difference between any of them so we've tried to to tap into what we know are either market trends or or what our guests want through having conversations with them and doing market research and then offer them something which is you know certainly outside of the normal marketplace so that we create our own market in a sense so so i remember you told me that the product is also sourced very uh, strategically yeah so we we focus really on quality and 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 the, the locality of everything so whilst we can't necessarily get everything from central london a lot of the, the the food that we source both for breakfast and for the afternoon tea is sourced within the the surrounding county so i'd say probably about 80 percent of the uh, the cheeses that we use for our cheese afternoon tea for example are from sussex and uh, we offer a wine flight that accompanies that which is with ridgeview spark wine a cider called silly moo which is from west sussex as well near horsham and bolney estates red wine as well so we really try and support you know smaller uh, more local producers as well that offer us a really unique quality product and that's where in general where things are going as well that people are actually starting to get aware about where things come from if it's like uh, products food you have in your hotel or other stuff you're using in your hotel water bottles and stuff like that people look at these things as well and they have a have an impact I guess definitely, and you know we won't name any names, but we all know the the, the brands of, of champagne and sparkling wine, which you can just go and purchase in your local supermarkets, mm-hmm. and you know people will go and do that now quite often. So we really want to try and give them something that they they can't get elsewhere. Um, so even down to the small things like the crisps that we serve in our bar, for example, they are now stocked in one supermarket, which is Waitrose. You just can't buy them anywhere else, you know. So it's really about offering something that's that's different and unique, and the flavors that they offer are wagyu beef. And, and honey mustard and parmesan and port and you know, really you know good quality you know locally produced items like we were saying earlier we we're talking about water and yeah. the, the supply chain of that and uh, yeah people are looking at uh, both locality but also you know ethically um, how it's produced how it's packaged and these are all considerations that we're, we're we're looking at with everything that we do to ensure that we're giving people what they what they want why is that important you think for the consumers these things Number of reasons, I guess. I think you know we you see now uh, across sort of cross generationally that that ethics and, and and the environment is perhaps more something that is is uh, I don't want to use the M word of uh, millennial, but uh, you know it is certainly something which is is, is more prevalent these days. And there's perhaps a lot more social pressure now, and, and obviously the, the impact that, that social media itself has had on what people are, are prepared and, and want to to share. So, for example, the, uh, the you know very topical the Greg's vegan sausage roll now. Probably ninety percent of the people who've eaten that, I guess, are probably not vegan. But vegan is obviously something that is a is a food. Don't say the word trend, because it's obviously you know I think it's probably here to stay rather than being a you know a short term trend. But, you know, we need to, to look at what we can do to, to support what people want and, and obviously be commercial about that as well and, and, and make that a success for the business. There, there's definitely, I'm just, this could be called vegan or what, there's something about, I call, I would say plant-based. It's definitely here to stay in a way because, yeah, we need to do that as an industry. We need to accommodate that, first of all, because the customer wants it, but also because we need to do the right thing. And the right thing is to take care of our environment and what we can do, the impact we can do on that, beside making 
uh, commercial business. Definitely, and I certainly would, would say that I eat a lot less meat than I would have even a year ago or two years ago. Now, here at Georgian House, that's something we're working on very closely as well. So we, we've uh, created a small focus group of, of vegans that we're working with on creating a new vegan brunch, improving our vegan offering at breakfast, and also a, a vegan afternoon tea as well, and trying to do it in a way that we can also accommodate dietary requirements, such as you know people who have gluten allergies, for example, or, or lactose intolerances is, is quite challenging, but it's really important that we, we get that right, because the number of people who are experiencing those allergies and intolerances or choosing those dietary pathways is, is just increasing ever more. A lot of it comes from our you know knowledge about food as well, which is expanding by uh, Netflix as well, telling us where things come from and questioning maybe some of the things we thought was obviously good for us and, and, and the planet. Coming back to something you said before, you said that in uh, the heart of what you do is your employees and getting that right. How important is getting that right for the overall experience if we stay a bit in the, in the experience and the, the Georgian house hotel? I mean, I think it's the, the most important thing, really. I think you know it's quite widely known by, by you know that if you have happy and, and engaged team that are, you know have the tools to do the job and, and and what have you, that the guest experience will will follow from that. It's not rocket science, and I think it's it's certainly painful for me to to see when that's not widely recognized or not recognized in certain businesses. You know, the, you're never going to walk into a restaurant or a hotel where. You've got disengaged, you know, staff who don't have the the tools they need to do the job, who haven't been trained, and have a good experience. It's probably the most common sense thing that I can think of relating to our industry. So, um, for us, you know, and certainly I would say we're not perfect. We we try very hard, and we invest heavily in in doing it, and spend a lot of time in this area. But you know, we recognise that, and we want to give people a good experience. We spend so much time working in our lives that it should be fun, and it should be something we enjoy doing. And I think that's what really, when I came to, to Georgian House and had the the interview for this role, I really believed in the the vision that that Serena had for the business, and it was really aligned in terms of values. I think with my own values, so it was just a, a perfect fit. Really, you were saying you were doing it, but you must be doing it because you won a couple of awards as well for the people bit, and one of them was the best place for women to work in hospitality. I think that's very interesting. We were highly committed with the Shine Awards, uh, I think, two years ago. Yeah, we came second to Expedia, I think, in, on that occasion, and who obviously have a huge amount of resource to, to invest in, in that kind of thing. So, yeah, we're very, very proud of that. And we do recognise that the industry itself and, and so the hotel was perhaps missing out on and having some fantastic female talent in the business because we needed to be more flexible with the way that we, we approach that. Obviously, a lot of women do take time out from their careers to raise a family and we you know, look for just one example of how we could be more flexible about accommodating the, the needs of those people or how we could reach out to them and, and show them that perhaps it's not necessarily the career that they had before where it's very traditional you have to be here between this time and this time and you can't have specific days off because you need them and why can't you, you know you may not be able to do everything every single time for everybody but we are probably one of the most flexible we're a 24 7 business so it's just about fitting all the different pieces of the jigsaw together to be able to offer that just from a you know a rotating perspective, but also the support they may need, what happens when their child is ill, for example, and, and all of these things which we've tried to do to, to make sure that we can offer a fantastic experience to, to everybody across the board. And uh, yeah, in terms of careers, we've won a couple of other awards as well from the Springboard Awards for Excellence. So last year we won the Best Management Strategy for how we um, recruit and retain and develop our management team. Uh, we were highly commended for our best apprenticeship strategy as well. And the year before, uh, which is a, an award that I'm particularly passionate about, was our best industry and education partnership. So all about how we engage with schools and colleges and, and universities and support the development of every student who we engage with across all those different institutions to further develop their career, but also then how we work with bringing them into the hotel and develop their careers within our business as well. Also, I know there's something that's quite unique about this hotel. Happened a bit by coincidence, you say, is that you have a woman only operating kitchen that's right yeah so it's uh, certainly not not by design and we do you know very much promote equality and diversity across the entire business but yeah it just so happens which as you say is quite unusual i guess that we have an all-female brigade it's certainly been that way for quite some time now i think we've had one male chef in the, the duration of my my three and a bit years here so yeah it seems to work very well for us you know, they they work very well as a team 
And I think across the whole hotel, there's a much much more of a teamwork approach than, than other properties that may have worked in as well. You know, there's certainly no one who feels that they're above any other member of the team or any department's more important than any other department. It's a really close-knit team in housekeeping, for example, which is predominantly female, but they really support each other. So in a lot of hotels, I guess, the room attendant may get their list at the start of the day, they finish their rooms and they go home. Whereas here, you know, they really work together. So firstly, they work together in, in pairs. We've done some work through um, some Lean and Six Sigma techniques to actually identify that this is a better way for them to work in this this business because of the nature of the, the layout of the building. Um, but also they will then go and support other team members who maybe have had to wait because their guests haven't checked out yet and, and so on and so forth. So I think it's just an example of how the team really work well together. Uh, we have a predominantly female leadership team as well. Yeah, it certainly, I think, is a good fit for us. But uh, as I say, you know, equality and diversity is really important to us. We make sure that we offer the same opportunities to, to anybody across the business. Do you do any unique things when it comes from, like, let's take recruitment as an example? Because a lot of people in the industry right now is struggling with attracting enough good candidates. Are you doing anything that's unique on that or different? I don't think we do anything that I say is, is unique in that, you know, it's not something that anybody else couldn't do and I think a lot of people are doing some of the things that we do with some people maybe doing some things better than we do but on the whole I think we're we're doing quite well we have done a lot of work focusing on our employer brand in the last year so making sure that myself and and Serena are very visible across the industry and so that when we are looking to attract people they can see that we are at the forefront of of what's happening in the industry the awards obviously are a big help for that people like to be part of something that's that's successful so we we have placed an emphasis on that as well and, and, and I know other businesses businesses do so and really just showcasing what our culture is about and and the fact that we are a fantastic place to work you know we've been in the top 30 best places to work in hospitality every year since its inception which i believe we're the only business to have done that to date but through forging relationships and networking events and and, and that kind of thing so we've just recruited for example a new role of uh, reception and revenue manager which is a slightly different role to, to the person who just vacated that role and the, the final two candidates were people who I've worked with previously in, in other hotels. So that kind of not having to spend, we also went out to, to, to market as well to make sure that we were finding out who the, the best people were. But the two best people happened to be people who with whom we had existing relationships. And you know, the assistant food and beverage manager, for example, we recruited before that was a graduate from the Edge Hotel School, who we do a lot of work with, sales and marketing executive before that was another graduate from the Edge Hotel School. So all of these things which we do, uh, you know, we're putting a lot of time and, and resource into building these relationships is really starting to pay off for us. And I think, you know, you talked about how we develop people in the internal promotions and that's at a sort of management level only just starting to happen because it's taken us a couple of years to to get people to that stage. But, uh, you know, certainly within interdepartmentally, that's how the ki- the whole kitchen team has been, been formed. They're all people who've been working here previously in other departments. Is there anything you think that you have developed that's so different from what everybody else is doing, or do you think it's the approach you have to it? Yeah, I definitely think it's the approach. You know, there's no no sort of system or magic technique that that nobody else could could do. But I think you know we very strongly believe in what we're doing, and we you know we try our best to execute it. Really, you know, we do all of the you know the best practice things i think uh, in terms of engaging with our team and you know providing a fantastic opportunities for development so at any one time we normally have about 10 to 15 percent of our, our team on apprenticeships some of whom have now moved from level two to level three we provide good benefits we have a nice working environment one of the things we introduced last year was our well-being wednesdays as part of a wider health and well-being program which we actually achieved the commitment level of the london healthy workplace charter for which again is something which we've researched outside of the hotel this is something which is you know becoming more important to people you know there's lots of industry press and also you know the wider press now about mental health and, and well-being and we talked to our team and recognized that was something which was important to them and then invested again in in providing that for them so it's, it seems a bit obvious to say you know it's not really rocket science but it's kind of ask the questions listen to the answer take action evaluate and repeat the previous steps and that's you know whether we're talking about our team or our guests really i agree with you this is not rocket science it's probably known for many years these are the things that work but there's a the difference it seems like you're doing them 
and and that's the difference. And if you're not doing them, you will not see the effect of them. If you don't, also not consistently believing and do it again and again and again because you believe this is the right thing to do, you will not see the effect of it. So that's that's a lot of time and investment. And what is the outcome of these things? Have you seen financial outcomes? Have you seen like turnover? There are some which are directly measurable. Like, yeah. So, for example, you know winning the, the awards that we, we've won or being in the, the top 30 best places to work, you know, achieving the, the healthy workplace charter. Uh, we've seen consistently low staff turnover across the board. We've achieved significant growth in, in revenue and profitability over the last three years when I've been here. So yes, those things do take investment. But at the same time, we have created the opportunity to be able to do that by being very structured in the way that we look at our processes so that we're eliminating waste, uh, which is kind of the, the lean stuff that I referred to earlier, to be able to put the money um, and time and resource available to do all of the things which actually are the things that are going to drive value for us and whether that's something in the physical products or you know enhancing the the team morale or the their capabilities or their well-being it's not a sort of oh it's going to cost us lots of money should we do it or shouldn't we because of the thing you know we we all even you know today you know you i every business that you work with you can go in and and save money that day no problem and you know it's just about looking for more opportunities to to do that in a way that's not going to detract from the the guest experience obviously or the employee experience to be able to do the the good stuff i guess if you want to call it that it sounds a bit like that people is not a challenge uh, as it is for many other in the industry but it's a bit more exactly as a generator for you to to move forward is that correctly understand I wouldn't say it's not a challenge. I'd say it's perhaps less of a challenge. The roles that we have had available recently, we have filled fairly quickly and with with really good people. You know, there are still challenges in certain positions. So last year, I know we had a, a challenge for a little while recruiting two chefs, which is anyone tells you they don't have a problem recruiting chefs. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think housekeeping is another key key challenge as well. You know, particularly with you know the uncertainty of, of what's happening with with Brexit, perhaps, and uh, we've again put in place strategies to to, to deal with that. You know, one of the things we've changed over the last three years is is our pay structure as well. So looking at probably three years ago when this hotel and other hotels I've worked in previously, you know, different departments would have people paid different amounts for the same kind of level of, uh, you know, entry-level position or all supervisors are paid differently across all departments. That's now something which we've standardised across the business. So every food and beverage assistant, room attendant, receptionist, etc., are all paid the same equivalent hourly rates and the same across the the supervisory banding as well because they're all doing essentially the, the same kinds of roles they all have similar levels of responsibilities so you actually made it more transparent absolutely uh, the whole benefits and compensation yeah. bit what about training i guess they they don't become really good at that job if they don't know what to do are you what are you doing there when a new employee is joining you so in, in terms of when they they join they'll obviously have a you know sort of departmental training which is you know Again, not not wildly different to, to to what they do in any other hotel, I guess. But uh, one of the things which which is really important is obviously, first of all, in the recruitment phase, we recruit people who do share the same values as us, and you know, really going to be a cultural fit uh, in the business. And then, as part of their induction, they also um, participate in uh, one of our kind of brand uh, workshops as well. So they really get underneath the the skin of the brand and looking at uh, you know, regardless of which department they're in, you know, who are our customers, where are they coming from. What are they looking for? Who are our competitors? The writing through the, the centre of the rock, if you like, of, of Georgian House. And I think that's something which is really important for them. So they, they really buy into what we're, we're doing. You know, we do share very openly you know, what, what's happening in the business as well, which I think is really important to get their buy-in and understanding. So they do something because they want to do it as part of the bigger picture. And then you know, in terms of our, our training budget, we do have a, a kind of a line in the budget on the spreadsheet which says how much we were sort of thinking about spending on staff training but uh you know it's certainly nothing that uh, we would really strictly enforce if we felt that was something we, we should be doing and actually it's kind of probably the most protected line in the budget because although we've, we've put a significant amount of money in there for for this year we still haven't spent all of that but it's not something where we're kind of going to then cut back on it next year because we haven't spent it all this year we really want to make sure that that's those opportunities are available for the team and uh, you know i certainly participate actively in the in the training as well so i'm a, a licensed trainer of the uh, the world host customer service um, training for example which we run here and we're a world host registered business and i've also 
undertaken training myself to become a qualified in endpoint assessment for apprenticeship so we can better support the the team members who are going through our apprenticeship program as well and give them kind of what they need to be able to to do that and, and working with really good quality training providers i think as well as important so uh, we work with a company called umbrella training who, who facilitate our apprenticeship program and uh, as part of that we host workshops here which people from any of the hotels that they work with can come in and experience that and they you know our team members go and visit the other hotels as well and go on those training programs uh, we work with a fantastic lady called mary jane flanagan who's uh, got a sort of program called skills boot camps which are really engaging 90 minute training so we you know we recognize that we can do some really good things here in the hotel as well but then you know, a bit like we've been looking for our food supplies for example so okay and what's important for us in terms of you know the culture the values what we're looking to achieve who are the best people to go and get that from and, and go and get it basically what about performance management is that something you look into i know i've taken us on all the whole people journey i just think it's very interesting uh, is that some people said that it's dying or redundant what is your view on performance management and performance management is you know it's an interesting topic but uh, you know i think if you get all of the you know the initial stuff right then the the need to performance manage in what you might consider a kind of a negative sense is is uh, is certainly greatly reduced that's not to say that if you know there was someone who wasn't performing in their role and that we'd supported them and, and given them you know sufficient development and opportunity to demonstrate their abilities that we wouldn't you know have to sort of look at, at that situation and and, and have we've, we have done that a couple of times if you get the recruitment right you get the initial training right you provide the the good working conditions it's it's certainly something which you know in three years i think maybe there's two people who have had to say you know unfortunately i don't think this is going to be working out and it's all been you know very amicable but we would certainly do everything that we could to give people the the opportunity to do that and we recognize that you know certainly sometimes maybe if someone has started in the business that actually was a you know quite a turbulent time we had maybe a big refurbishment going on or we were maybe short-staffed in that department still anyway and it wasn't the ideal learning conditions for them so we give them further opportunity to sort of get up to speed everyone has to adapt to different things in different ways and it's about finding the right way to to do that and i think that you are 100 spot on there because if you get these ingredients right and that's what i've seen throughout my career your your recruitment your onboarding your training working condition benefits and so on and give them the tools as you said earlier actually you will spend less time on performance management and funny enough, people that have been in a situation where they spend a lot of time performance managing or exiting people or having difficult team members, when they started fixing some of these problems, the time actually went less down. That's my observation every time. And actually what it becomes instead, I call it performance boosting. So how can I performance boost my organization? How can I performance boost this person? Because suddenly you're developing them instead of trying to manage them. And that's a total difference. So actually in my vocabulary, actually performance management doesn't exist performance boosting does I like that. and I, I, think, like that. I think i think i think i think in a way you got you it seems like you're on, on the right path there and 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 it just saves you so much cost you know because it's the time you spend on managing people you shouldn't be managing definitely and i think you know the obviously the other impact of that is if you have got somebody who you know where we've not got it right be it through the recruitment or the onboarding etc that, that if that person isn't performing to the level that they should be in that role obviously has an impact on the other members of the team as well so if you invest the the time at the start of the process and get all the uh, all the ingredients right there then not only do you save your own time but you know there's that sort of rotten apple analogy and uh, you know obviously the consequences of that as we know can be yeah. pre- be pretty terrible so i think uh, that you know definitely is the, the way forward i like the performance uh, boosting on it oh, you can make borrow it, it. i'll borrow that one keep a nose that one you talked a bit about before when you talk about the organization it feels a bit like you're talking about an organization that doesn't seem like a very strong hierarchical building a bit like in often hospitality you have this very strong hierarchical a lot of layers to control the outcomes. It seems like when you talked about about the pay structures way before, it's quite a flat hierarchy you have here in the organisation. Yeah, very much so. I think, you know, we don't really like to think of it as a, as a hierarchy as such, but essentially, yeah, we, we have three layers, if you like, which is our entry-level um, team roles, a receptionist, food and beverage assistant, room attendant, um, a commie chef. And we then have um, supervisors in uh, the three of those departments, the three larger ones, uh, and then the, the leadership team as well. So very much removed from the sort of level of structure that I would have experienced in previous hotels, even of a similar kind of size where you might have, you know, entry level supervisor or even shift leader, supervisor, assistant head of department, head of department, you know, senior team, you know, it's, 
there's, there's no need for it. I think it creates barriers across the organisation as well. And it reduces the amount of, of learning experience that, that, that team members have as well. You know, some hotels, even you know, five-star luxury hotels, perhaps in London, the, the receptionist will have less knowledge and, and responsibility and, and expertise than perhaps we do here because they're just not exposed to doing some of the things that our team will be here so we don't have a, a duty management structure here uh, you know the reception team are the in effect go-to place you know every every hotel i guess the reception is where most people will go if they have a, a query of any kind and they you know they're, they're fully sort of um, empowered to to deal with that as they think is the, the most appropriate way and you know we fully support whatever you know decision that they they take in that obviously on hand to offer any support that they they need to um, and if they make a decision which you know in hindsight we feel was perhaps uh, you know not the, the best one then we'll work through work it through and, and coach them and and help them to hopefully you know make a more informed and better decision next time they come across any any situation and i think it's only by giving people those opportunities that they really do learn you know you can do all of the training you like but you kind of learn as much by doing you know it's learning by doing isn't it is the is the, is the, the best way i guess for most people so it really works well for us at georgian house is it an ambition to go as close to self-management as you can? Is that the ambition, what you're saying in between the lines? Because uh, there's self-management and then you have the very top-down organization in a way. We, we are looking at ways to do that across the business. So, for example, um, in, in housekeeping, one of the things we're looking to do now is having more more self-checking as well. Um, obviously, we'll have systems behind that to ensure that we, we have quality management. But, uh, you know, talk to her about efficiencies and Lean and Six Sigma. So that's something which is kind of born out of, of that, you know, allowing... The resource that we do have to focus on other things which are adding more value. You know, the way that we run the business as well is we have, uh, you know, obviously our sort of strategy and what have you, but then the the sort of the actionable items within that we form project groups to work on so everybody across the business no matter which department which level has input on different areas of what we're doing you know whether that's looking at uh, reward and recognition or staff benefits you know all of these kind of things you'll have people from every single department it's relevant to and at different levels as well because for example in in housekeeping they're they're noticing more guest behavior than i will ever notice during my time here so why am i the person who's making the decisions based on what i think guest behavior is even though i do engage with the guests they're seeing what people are doing every day on a quite intimate you know basis in their bedroom so why would i be the best person to to make those decisions i think that's something which has been really good again for us that people recognize having worked in other hospitality businesses you know wow you know my opinion is really valued and i can actively contribute to to what's happening in, in my workplace which i think is a real real strong selling point for us all this uh, we've been talking about i guess you get inspired or influenced somewhere because you're thinking about this is is, is different than you would see in general across the industry so where did you find your inspiration or where did the hotel find the inspiration from because i think it sounds like it's deeply ingrained in the values and about how we do things here i said we're not doing anything which is necessarily revolutionary but uh, certainly probably very different to what the average is and i think that uh, certainly in terms of the hotel it's something which has been ingrained as you say from when serena was you know took over 30 uh, 31 years ago um, and it is based around you know her core uh, values and beliefs and we've seen the success that that has that has brought us and we you know we try to look outside of we do spend a lot of time in other hotels and, and seeing what they're doing uh, which obviously gives us some ideas but it's quite a sort of tight pool of, of ideas and creativity really at the end of the day there's some people who are again maybe different to the average who are doing some quite exciting things but to really get the the, the sort of the juices flowing and seeing what what the, the possibilities are i think looking outside of the industry has been really beneficial for us so um you know for myself i'm currently having a fantastic learning experience doing a, an mba at crownfield university and i'm the only person from hospitality on that program out of 110 people so the the, the knowledge and the learning experience that i can get from working with with all of those different people and hearing guest speakers coming in from different sectors as well is, is certainly very valuable you know the way that we come up with ideas as well is is very different so you know we're not just sort of oh, we've got a problem with this or who else is doing this and what are they doing we logically work through it talk to our guests look at what they want and in terms of inspiration i think i've been very lucky to work with some fantastic people and uh, you know different things that i've taken from from different people on the way but certainly 
one of the uh, the key ones for me was, was Gerard Basset, who, um, who um, I got to know through working for Hotel de Van and seeing his kind of the way that he works and his you know knowledge of you know one very key subject area and, and exploiting that and being just immensely passionate and about doing that very very well. He gave me this one piece of advice once, which is you know whatever you decide to do in your your life and your career just be the best at whatever that thing is so, so you know if you want to work in a sandwich shop or something you know go and be the best sandwich shop that you can that you could possibly be and i think uh, you know that's certainly what we've, we've said here is you know we want to be you know a fantastic you know employer and give people an amazing employee experience so that's kind of what we're focusing on and there might be some people who prefer to go and work for another company because they do something differently the way we do but we want to be across the board the best at everything that we could possibly can be and apart from accounting for individual preferences that's that's what we intend to to achieve if you should say those like three traits or paths that shows you know strong hospitality leadership what is it in your view the three things you need to master there's a lot of things you need to master in hospitality but what are the three key things as a as a leader that's a big question so <laughs> thank you for that one first of all yeah i don't think it's necessarily just specifically related to hospitality i think you know leadership is is leadership as far as uh see, but i think you know really important to recognize that although you may be the general manager or the managing director or whatever it uh, it may be that your team are the the people who are kind of running the the show and that uh, i've got the, the you know the most knowledge you know, by definition a general manager is a general manager so you know you don't know everything and the experts in your in, in, in each individual field whether that be the head of finance or revenue or whether that is the food and beverage assistant who's the one making the cocktails every day or whatever it is they're the experts in in what they do so to to be open-minded and to work with them and support them rather than try and tell them what they should be doing i think is probably uh you know what i see in, in a number of hotels where things aren't you know working as they should in in my opinion listening to your guests you know you're there's a lot of where the guest is always right and whether the guest is what we believe is right or not they are the people who are coming into our business and spending their money so to try and enforce something upon them which they don't want is rarely going to give you success i think perhaps it's our role to help educate in, in a way and i don't mean that in a condescending way but you know to to offer them new experiences so they can they might not know what they they want and they, you don't know what you don't know i guess so yeah. i think that's that's really important three is kind of a very small number to work with but uh when when you when you look at sort of employee satisfaction surveys the one thing which comes up on every company and i think probably from georgian house to mcdonald's is communication is is something which probably features on on everyone so i think you know if, if the one thing that people to focus on to make sure they get right again you know like i said earlier not claiming to be perfect at any of these things but i think that if that's the one thing to really bring to the party and, and really work on hard communication would be be the third one yeah that sounds like some, some really three good ones especially the communication one because that's what brings it all to life all your strategies plans and values is not brought to light if you don't communicate in one or the other way and the management are responsible for doing that yeah. so i agree with that if we drop a bit out and looking at the industry as a whole and we you talked a bit on brexit earlier it's uh, uncertainty it's not even on the horizon anymore. We are in the middle of it. How is that impacting your business and how do you see in general the, the industry going over the next three to five years? So in terms of the way it's affected us here at Georgian House, I think that sort of a mixed bag really. You know, we certainly when the, the result of the, the vote first came out, we then started to enjoy a fantastic period of, of growth in, in business because the exchange rate fluctuations and uh, you know certainly became much more appealing for domestic travellers to not travel abroad and for people from the US and, and EU to travel in, in higher numbers, specifically to London. Obviously, we were a really significant beneficiary of that. Um, from a recruitment perspective, we've definitely seen a, a reduction in the number of people applying for, for roles and, and probably actually a reduction in the level of quality of applications as well. But through the work that we've been doing that we've talked about earlier, we've kind of mitigated that a little bit. So you know, I think there's still, although there's you know a date at the end of March, there is still a lot of uncertainty. And you know, they've, I think it was just before Christmas possibly that the, they published you know, the white immigration uh, white paper, which again, we're still full of uncertainty. It's, you know, we're, we're going to put a, a salary, uh, you know, limit on there. We still don't know what it's going to be yet. Okay, we've got less than ninety days to figure that out potentially. And you know, I think we we just need to sort of be as as agile as we possibly can be in, in dealing with all of those things and make sure that we're always doing the right thing. You know, 
doing the right thing is always the right thing as the saying goes and I think that if we continue to do that for our employees and, and support them with any applications that they need to make and, and all, all of that kind of stuff giving them the information they need to be able to make the decisions they need to make and they make sure that they feel you know valued and that they're, they're important to our business no matter what they might read in the, the press of you know what people's opinions are and yeah we will be affected in, in some way I'm sure you know it's in the stock market <laughs> you know dropping uh, over the last sort of week or so we will adapt to those things but we'll adapt to them in the way that we've adapted both as a hotel and as an industry and as a country through every major period of change and uncertainty that there, there has ever been be that the 2008 financial crisis world war Two, or, or whatever it's been is, is the way i look at it so i think uh, just trying to be as prepared as possible to to adapt even if we knew what was going to be the thing happening we still didn't know what the likely results of, of that's going to be so that's the kind of the next six months i guess or yeah. six, six to twelve months but um you know we will continue to to sort of work on our strategy and the plans that we have to deliver what we we're setting out to do in terms of the next three years we'll be interested to see what happens uh, post brexit and also we'll have a general election coming up in in that that period of time as well so that will again be a, a big period of, of change and uncertainty i'm sure but I think you know, we've been very careful and spent a lot of time and effort just in the last 12 months on revising our strategy and making sure that we are positioned in the best way possible to, to deal with that. And I think we've seen a number of businesses you know, in the last 12 months who've gone into CBAs and, and, uh, and are really struggling. And you know, we've delivered consecutive years of, of significant growth, as, as I said, in an improvement in all the KPIs we could possibly want to, to do. And uh, ultimately, the kind of cream will, will rise to the top. Other businesses will unfortunately not be able to continue in that way because either they haven't got the basics right or they haven't got their value proposition right or other such things as uh, people giving too much you know free reign of things and frauds and all that kind of stuff you know you've got to have have your house in order i guess and uh, you know by by taking all of those steps i think um, you know there will still be a demand london is a very resilient uh, market you know we've seen that from the you know the terrible terror attacks that happened in close succession it bounced back from that very quickly by doing what we need to do, we'll be best placed to, to do that. After three years, who knows what's going to happen after that, but and I certainly think that we, we're, we're well positioned. So what you're saying is, bit, is that the, the foundation, when you have that in order, your principles or your pillars of your business, it's easier to adapt to these situations when that happens because you're not on the edge with things you are you are it's a bit like being fit you are doing your exercise or you're not doing it and the consequences are when you get a bit ill it takes longer time to recover when if you're not fit yeah definitely and if you didn't go to the gym at all and ate all the wrong things and then you know tiger came running after you you'd have no chance but if you uh you know fueled yourself like an athlete and uh had the right tools and maybe had a fantastic bicycle you could perhaps cycle away very quickly i don't know but that's definitely the case for us and we will we'll keep working on that as i said you know you, you can't be complacent just because we're doing all the right things now and we're in a good position now doesn't mean that it's going to be the case and we've over the last 30 years and definitely the last three when i've been here we've been very careful not putting ourselves on the edge you know we believe, believe in sustainable growth so we're not looking to increase by 20 percent overnight and push to to do that we, you know, we want to keep a stable solid team continually innovate to, to offer new things the right things and uh, make sure we keep reinvesting in the hotel and in the, the team as well to, to do that i think you saw a lot of people who after the uh, global financial crisis they slashed all of their rates didn't invest in the property cut back on everything that they should have been doing with their teams and then when they came out the other side, the people who were really successful were the people who had really invested in making sure that their hotels were in, in good shape and that they'd been investing in their teams. Um, and I think that will just be you know, a repetition of that, basically. What about technology? Is that something that's a big part of your business? A lot of businesses, restaurants, hotels, everybody talk about this gothic thing that's going to come and save the industry. What is your view on it? Well, I love technology. I wouldn't consider myself a technology expert, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in it. We're always looking for ways to add to our experience, both for the team and for, the, for our guests as well. I wouldn't say that we're necessarily, uh, it's a big part of our business. I think over the last three years, we have invested in a number of bits of technology, but I think people can get quite carried away with technology as well. And you end up with sort of technology for technology's sake. And, you know, in some instances, it actually then starts to detract from the guest experience and, you know, removes opportunities for conversation. And, uh, you know, we, we know that we do hospitality very well. So we want to try and create as many opportunities for our team to engage with, with guests in a meaningful way as possible. And, and obviously sometimes technology can get in the way of that so i think it's important to look at not just sort of see a piece of technology and think oh 
that looks good. Maybe we should do that. But what is our need? What are the solutions that can fit that? And I think the work that we've been doing in terms of our systems and processes and the way that we do things internally with our people has generated just as much, if not more, success than some of the technological things that we've put in. So, for example, one of the, the things which we've had in our rooms, um, we we're actually just removing because it's not something that people are, are using. We had an opportunity to trial it for, for free and, you know, actually it's, it's not adding any value and it's actually removing some elements for us to add value in, in other ways. So that said, obviously, if something is really interesting, we think, you know, that's got a real place in, in the business. I think maybe from a more back-of-house perspective, that's something which we're investing in a bit more. So we've just taken on a new revenue manager management system new ai powered web booking engine and those sorts of things i think are things where we've said okay well what is our current offering is it doing what we want it to do not really what's the best solution to to change that then basically but there are, there is some amazing stuff out there you know in terms of um, i've been involved with uh, metro um, accelerator powered by techstars looking at hospitality tech businesses and some of the things that people are creating now are just unreal. You know, you know, one of them, for example, was uh, facial recognition thing that sort of took your orders, but also kind of re- you know obviously remembered your information from previously. And I thought yeah, this would be really great for me and uh, actually McDonald's. I keep using the example, but they uh, you know have the touchscreen boards now, which I thought well, wouldn't that be fantastic if I went in there and it recognised my face and my face was stored across the entire McDonald's network and it could just tell me oh order the same thing every time but I don't want to have to keep going through the whole menu so things like that where it's adding to my experience it's cutting down the amount of time that I'm standing there queuing you know less waiting time for the next person it's all about making informed decisions rather than just saying oh you know why don't I have a an iPad that controls everything in the room well one because it probably works off wi-fi so when your wi-fi goes down the whole thing goes down you know invariably it takes somebody half an hour to work out even to operate it and 99.9 percent of people in the world don't need an ipad to draw their curtains they can you know stand up and pull them together probably quicker than it would take to to do it anyway and that technology will be defunct in you know a couple of years anyway you know everything will be voiced so you won't need ipads and you'll just wasted thousands of pounds on putting an ipad in every room so i think you've got to look at what return you're getting from from it basically and what is the actual problem that you're trying to solve yeah i think that's that's spot on as i always say as well i normally say it either has to make your money save time or boost the experience either if the employee and customer experience that's the degree that you couldn't do that with human yeah. power and that's where technology then become clever. But I think it's a combination of also that we can only take so much on as well. We have also been has been thrown so much at us. We don't we can't actually consume it. And every time you implement the technology in your business, as you probably learned, the staff has to adapt as well. And that's that's a learning curve as well. And then maybe actually it, it it's not going to save you that time or money because it takes longer time to to adapt that. So you have to be very careful and select the right things for your business. Definitely. In in the end of the, 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 the podcast, we always ask the people who are uh, invited in to, to give, you know, one good advice to either people who want to join hospitality or people already in hospitality. It's a bit like up to you what you want to give. What is your, like, one top advice? So I think one of the, the things for me that um, I've really noticed probably in the last three or four years is that certainly when I was in the earlier stages of my career, I never really felt that there was huge amounts of support for for people in terms of helping them to get their careers started. And I think certainly through some of the work that I've been doing and what I see now across the industry, there's some fantastic mentoring schemes in place and lots of different programs to help people with their careers and scholarships and bursaries and all that kind of thing. And I think if you're interested in hospitality career or if you're in the earlier stages of your career, look to take advantage of all of these opportunities you know there are some amazing people across the industry who are willing to donate their their time and expertise and knowledge to support people coming into the industry and developing their careers but actually very few people are taking advantage of that and I think a lot of people fall into the industry by accident and then maybe leave the industry because they don't have a great experience or they don't know how they can progress their career the opportunities are there so look at all the sort of springboard for example you know careers charity or institute of hospitality and master in holders they all provide these programs and these opportunities so just take advantage of every networking opportunity and, and mentoring all these kind of things to because I think that's really the, the key to, to helping to progress your career. Having a mentor, no matter where you are in your career, I agree that's one of the most important things for us because that's going to make you feel that you are growing. And the longer you feel you're growing, you're probably also more positive about things in your job or 
your life in general. So thank you very much, Adam. It's been a pleasure to have thank here you. And, a, and a pleasure to be invited here to the hotel. As you probably could hear, it's been uh, it's a busy hotel, so the engagement is high. There's been a, bu- a bit of bustling in the in the background, but I think that brings it all more to life. Really hoping to tune in with you within the the next couple of years to hear what's going on and how we're going to go through all this, you know, the perfect storm and what else we call the Brexit and what hitting us. Uh, but it seems like you have a, a very good starting point here. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really good. Look forward to that. That's all we have time for today. Thank you, Adam, for sharing your view regarding leadership, hospitality and how to build an amazing hotel experience. If you have not visited the Georgian House Hotel yet, I would highly recommend you to go there. There's a very special energy and vibe there. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, review or even better, share your experience with us. How does your organization ensure that you are a great place to work? Thanks to Laura Evans from Let's Talk Video Production for your ongoing podcast assistance. We hope you enjoyed today's Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingser. Tune in next time for another industry interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.